Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Boom, 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 Welcome to episode 30 of SyrupCast. We made it. Uh, I am super, super happy. I'm really excited that we made it uh, to the ripe old age of um, not quite adulthood, not quite adolescence, somewhere right in that middle port part where, you know, hopefully Snapchat and Dropbox will appeal. Synergies. Uh, it's uh, it's it's all about it's all about connections, folks. Uh, as always, I am thrilled to have two of my favorite people with me: Douglas Soltis. How are you? Ahoy, hoy! And Jane McIntyre with your green headphones on this lovely day. Yeah. I was going to touch them, but then I realized that would be loud for you. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm great. How are you? Uh, great, great. I I want to um, apologize, even though nobody knows why. Uh, before, but I'll tell you. Uh, we were going to have Ben Class on the show, and Ben is a uh, Manitoba graduate student and telco analyst, and he was going to come on and talk about all the stuff happening in the uh, wireless telecom space, including an action that the CRTC uh, presented today uh, on his behalf that he filed in 2013 about uh, undue preference uh, for... Uh, bandwidth charges by Bell and Videotron for mobile TV applications. Now, it doesn't sound as exciting as it is, and uh, we will talk a little bit about it. But we're um, going to sex it up for you. Yeah. Ben we'll set it up, and internet hopefully bills, I'll so talk to them later. Um, Whoa. Yeah, ironically, nobody's, nobody's an a-hole in this show. Ironically, Ben was supposed to talk about bandwidth issues, and because of bandwidth issues, cannot be on the show. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, he's actually from Manitoba, so I'm not sure if they have internet there yet. I'm not sure uh, if they have bandwidth. <laughs> Shout out to Manitoba. What's going uh, on? I've never been, but I hear it's somewhere in the middle. It is. It's, in, <laughs> it's uh, actually right next to Ontario. Oh, really? It is. I thought it was like closer to Alberta. <laughs> Lady Ireland, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, no, it goes Manitoba, right to Saskatchewan, so to Alberta, Alberta, British Columbia. <laughs> Folks, that is our geography lesson for the day. Let's start there with the CRTC's decision to uh, prevent Bell and Videotron and other telcos from preferencing their own mobile TV's uh, app bandwidth. Uh, Basically, what it comes down to is that Bell and uh, Videotron and Rogers, at one point, were offering these mobile TV services. And they were saying hey guys, we have this content and we want you to be able to watch it and you can watch up to X number of hours per month on your phone 
for free. We'll give that as a part of your package, or if you want to go over it, we'll charge you an extra set fee for more hours. And Mr. Class complained to the CRTC that that's not fair because Bell, instead of charging by the megabyte, they're charging by the hour. So he worked out that watching the same amount of TV over a 3G or 4G connection would cost eight times the amount to watch Netflix as it would uh, Bell's mobile TV app using the same bandwidth con you know, constraints and everything. And Bell said this is just something that they could offer, that this is a value add to their um, wireless service that they're really happy about. But when this complaint was filed and the CRTC acknowledged it, Rogers quickly changed their, um, their mind and they went back to the regular bandwidth first model where they counted your usage by megabyte. And Videotron later, once they updated their iOS app, they also went that way too. So Bell was the outlier and until today, the only company um, engaging in that practice. And what the CRTC said and, and what, the, what the chairman said was that they uh, support net neutrality and the, uh, the fact that Bell was, was not allowing its, its, uh, you know, its customers to um, watch Netflix the same way they watch mobile TV, even though to them it was a benefit to their own customers, was going against net neutrality. So I think this is going to have huge implications, not just for those specific products, but for the whole idea of the, you know, this, this independent body in Canada the CRTC supporting net neutrality down the road. Um, did you guys, I mean, what, what do you guys think of this? Is this something that you've been following at all? I think that, I think we, we had this conversation like middle of last year. Um, I remember it was like one of my first days at Mobile Syrup and I remember you spent like a long time on the phone to Ben and I was like, what was that about after you hung up? And then you explained it to me, like I, you gave me the like explain like I'm five version and yeah, like it's it's something that since then I've been I've been so aware of it. Like, I, I don't know. I can't even believe that they they felt like it would be okay. <laughs> I think I guess that's the whole point of Ben's complaint was like you can't do that. But just the just the idea of you know if you use Netflix, it's going to cost you an astronomical amount of money. But if you use our service, like you know it's it's free or or greatly reduced. I don't know, Doug. Have you been so something that you've been doing? Well, yeah. So we you know we've been tracking this. I think we've been tracking the convergence of media and mobile in Canada right. a lot. And I think that this is this kind of relates to things that we followed uh, previously with uh, Show Me and other things. And uh, just 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 that, that fact that you have these carriers being the, the media generators as well. Uh, I, with this, I actually think this is an example of the CRTC doing its job, but the net outcome not being great. And mm. I, I think that that's because they're, they're trying to correct a disparity, but they're not correcting the underlying problem, which is the way that we treat the cost structure of consuming media digitally. Because I think it should be totally fine for Bell to say, hey, we have, we have TV, we have Bell TV, this service, Let's, we're just gonna hook you up with some benefits, customers. I think I think that should still be allowed. Allowed, 
the the problem is is that when you're then comparing that with the the structure and the pricing for consuming content through a different service that uses the bandwidth like Netflix there that disparity happens and that that problem is not being corrected so what's ending up is you're having two people are losing out people who were wanting to watch you want to consume media through Netflix are still getting you know, there, yeah, there's no there's no benefit for them. And then people who were interested in, you know, Bell customers and interested in Bell TV aren't aren't getting that that sweet hookup. They're they're just as bummed out. And it's be, it's because yeah. of the underlying kind of fundamentals of how we, we charge for these things. So, yeah, it's, it's one of those things that the readers keep talking about, too, is that they're like, this is great. And the CRTC like props to them. But they're also like, this is just going to be everything's going to be more expensive. Yeah. The, OK, but on, on the. Okay, so we have to break it down based on consumer preference and and consumer benefit. Consumer preference is, you know, yes, I am a subscriber to this mobile service, this dumb pipe. A carrier ostensibly based on net neutrality rules is a dumb pipe. They're not allowed to preference any type of traffic. Mm -hmm. That is a fact, okay? It's a fact in North America. This whole issue is happening right now in the U.S., and we've written about it before. That was the whole basis for John Chen's insane rant on the blog that we wrote about. Um, the difference here is that Bell and Videotron, who is owned by Quebecor, who owns a bunch of media um, uh, entities in Canada, they own the content and they also own the, the pipe. So what they're doing is they're saying, okay, we have this consumer benefit um, or we have this consumer preference where we're going to allow these customers to access our networks for free, but only when they're viewing our content. That is going against the the whole notion of net neutrality um, at its core, because it's not it's not that the the consumers are benefiting, but that they they can't choose which content they benefit from. They are just benefiting from a single uh, source. No, and. Well I, okay, so I, I, I think you just laid that out in, in a really great way, but I would disagree as to... see, And then that's where the confusion is, because when you talk about net neutrality, you're generally talking about uh, traffic and speed and access to content. And this here is a, a preference for the, the cost of content, which is slightly different, right? Um, and it's, it's, it's a regulation that is attacking... Um, the access when maybe the regulation should be about whether or not the dumb pipe uh, actually owns content, <laughs> because then it then it wouldn't be looking to prioritize one piece of content over another, whether that's whether that's um, in terms of speed or just in in price delta. Right, but I mean at the same time, so there's a there's a bunch of arguments here. On the one hand, a company like Telus, which doesn't own any media properties would like to be able to say, hey, guys, we can give you exclusive access to certain media um, because we own both the pipe and the content. Mm -hmm. But on the other hand, Bell's ability to... Um, Bell's ability to give you access to a certain amount of content for free because it owns both the pipe and the content means that it's going to, even if it's not explicit but inadvertent, they're going to inadvertently... Uh, prioritize uh, not only the creation of that content, 
but the the distribution of it through its network. Yeah, and that's the problem, right? Well, so, no, so okay, so so with that, I would say two things. Uh, first, I care. I don't if you know if Bell wants to promote and make its the stuff that it already owns cheaper, more accessible because it it owns it and it can do that. That's great as long as it's not as they're not affecting services that they don't own. This this them promoting Netflix or the, promoting their Bell TV uh, content and making it cheaper did not in any way impede my access to Netflix. I think that's my primary concern. And second, um, if 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 this is going to be the issue that that stems from the these the facilitators, the infrastructure owning the content, then the regulation should be about whether or not we allow them to do that. Because it's, it's a very understandable and basic kind of business decision to say, hey, we own this stuff. Why don't we give our customers this stuff? For, like, why don't we hook them up with the benefits so they're happy to be Bell customers? I think that's very understandable. The, it's not... Okay, so there, there's two... They're not giving it away for free. What they're doing is they are... Um, they're billing it differently, and yeah, and I know that you said problem. I know that you said that that shouldn't be an issue. But here's here's something that the commission wrote in its uh, in its response. The commission considers, however, that encouraging customers to access these data intensive services is inconsistent with the carrier's approach in regard to other data services, which is to impose data caps in order to optimize the efficiency of these networks. What that means is that. On the one hand, Bell's saying, hey, guys, we don't have enough spectrum. We don't have the ability to offer 10, 15, 20 gigabytes a month of data for free or, or uh, for a, a very small amount like they mm-hmm. do in other parts of the world. And on the other hand, hey, guys, we're going to let you watch as much data-intensive stuff as you want in five hours, regardless of, you know, you can turn the quality up to 11 and stream three gigabytes worth of content over your phone over LTE and we're just we're not going to care we're just going to charge it the same way you would as if you were watching SD quality stuff okay that's that's, that's, not that's right. a fair that's a fair point uh, that, that is a fair point um yes so and in that yeah in that in that in that way it's not it's it is affecting how you're watching Netflix yeah absolutely like, but but I mean, I, how I, many go ahead go sorry go ahead i'm just i'm just going to ask like do you guys at all watch Netflix over LTE do you does it ever occur to you that hey, I have, you know, I have a gigabyte a month, and I know that watching a single episode of Friends is going to eat up like three hundred megs of data. Well, like, th- it never occurs to me to watch. Mobile unlimited data. I watch Netflix in the streetcar all the time. Really? Wow. I had a, <laughs> yeah. I had a really boring overnight in Edmonton once, and I uh, just watched maybe the first season of X Files on my on my iPhone, um, which you know did not go so well on my Rogers bill the next month. Um, but yeah, I, I think you're, I think you're totally right. I, I guess my, my problem is that I want Bell to be able to say, Hey customers, we have some more stuff. Here's some stuff for you. Um, I also want my access them to say, Hey, Netflix people, uh, Bell customers who use, uh, okay. So here's what it is. Whether I'm watching Netflix or I'm watching Bell TV, I'm still a Bell customer. <laughs> um, so I would I would like to be able to do whatever I wish with the access that I'm paying for. This regulation stops Bell customers from who are really interested in in Bell TV stuff from getting a benefit over Bell customers who want Netflix access. 
but it doesn't solve the underlying problem of the conflict of interest that comes when Bell both uh, supplies content and the access to content. So I think this is a good first step by the CRTC if they are going to then look to solve the underlying issue of you know what a carrier says about what it can handle in terms of bandwidth and, and caps and what it can actually do because Bell in this case is proving that it's not true. Yeah, that's... It's a slippery slope, right? When you say, hey, guys, we're just benefiting, you know, a few, you know, they only have 1.4 million customers. So Bell says, we're not really doing anything wrong because this is only applying to 1.4 million customers. It's only, you know, 20% of our user base. Yeah, and yeah, the pressure on the network isn't great. But not only that, Netflix has a much greater Canadian presence. All we're trying to do is promote homegrown Canadian content, blah, blah, blah. That's BS because really Bell shows a lot more U.S. content than Canadian, but at the same time, it becomes a slippery slope. So they say, hey, we'll charge you by the hour instead of by the megabyte, and then it becomes, hey, guys, instead of um, allowing you, you know, th then down the road, they say, hey, we're going to start charging you by the megabyte, but then uh, we're, we're going to um, make the quality, you know, 10 times better than it would be over Netflix, or we're going to start uh, gradually lowering the quality of Netflix over our network in order to maintain a you know a stable connection. That's exactly what happened with Netflix in the U.S. Yeah. It's not not over wireless. It's it was uh, the peerage deals with uh, broadband ISPs over cable, but it's the exact same idea, right? Yeah. So it becomes a very slippery slope. So we'll we'll come back to this. I'm gonna have a chat with Ben later. Uh, we're going to get to the bottom of it, see what he has to say. He should be pretty happy with himself, though. Um, yeah, and, and it'll be interesting to see his take in terms of... Because like, we're obviously, like, as the initiator of this, he probably has a much more um, specific, I guess, you know, this was his intended outcome, right? So he must be very happy with it. But I'm, yeah. like, very interested to hear his thoughts on, you know, how much this actually solves or if this is just... Like, this is a very particular battle in the war against yeah. um, monopolies. It's weird, because, yeah, it's, it's one of those things where it's like it makes everything more fair, but it doesn't make everything more accessible or cheaper or better for the kids. More fair, not more fun. Yeah. Well, the other, the other part of it is that, um, and, and we're, we're going to talk about this in a second, but when you, you know, so... Jane, you just said that you have unlimited internet over your phone, so you don't really have to think about watching Netflix on the streetcar. But at the same time, uh, a few years ago, uh, the idea of unlimited was this big deal. But wind isn't really unlimited. It's only no, five it's gigabytes like, a month six, yeah, until they start throttling you, right? So this whole idea of offering unlimited... Um, you know that's that's becoming a bigger problem in the Canadian media, um, the Canadian mobile space again, because Rogers Bell tell us they now offer unlimited phone calls, unlimited texts, and the only thing that they really change the price on and base their their uh, monthly fees on is data usage, right? So you have this other issue here where um, if you start charging people based on 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 something other than a predetermined value which in, in our industry has become to be accepted as megabytes or gigabytes mm -hmm. then you you run the risk of alienating people who are able to 
uh, advertises unlimited, right? So, um, you know, wind gets away with it because it really it is unlimited. It's just that after five gigs you get throttled, but eventually yeah. that's going to have to come to pass, um, where they're well, going to have to figure out their own yeah. issues with unlimited. Because well, the Federal Trade Commission in the U.S. yesterday just, um, just, I guess. They dealt with this case with them. Um, I think it was like TrackPhone, track this like yeah. small carrier. But they basically TrackPhone was offering unlimited, but then throttling after a certain amount of time. And the FTC was like, no, like it's it's very black and white. Like if you're offering unlimited, you have to give them unlimited. Um, and I guess that's probably why like AT and T and T Mobile and stuff don't offer unlimited anymore. It's because you, yeah. if you're gonna say it's unlimited, like unlimited is defined as all you can eat. Yeah, this is this is why you know where in not treating access to digital information as a utility we get caught up in the uh the messaging the branding and the packaging rather than like the four core components which are like total amount of data uh speed of data bandwidth because you know as much as you talk about wind it's not it's not as if like the the bandwidth of that works and then like prioritization of content and like mm. those are kind of like the four pillars of that intersect around just us consuming information in in a digital world and right now there's not a lot of competition on that stuff it's it's much more how can we package what we already have in different ways uh for lock-in and that's it's kind of a it's a it's a ruse it's a red herring against the underlying things that actually matter yeah, and we'll get to that when we talk about Rogers' uh, Q4 earnings because what they said is we're no longer going to talk about numbers or we're not going not to focus on volume. We're going to focus on value. And uh, they said that as a way to, um, you know, sort of look, uh, help, force us to look away or at least ask us to look away from the fact that they're losing customers pretty quickly. Right, so they're making more money per customer, but they're still losing right. customers overall. And that's, I mean, that's going to be one of the themes in a saturated market. Um, most people in Canada who have a smartphone are on one of the big three carriers, and Wind is going to make a big change for. Uh, Wind's going to make a big push for that, uh, and they did that a little bit more today by committing to spend money on the AWS three and twenty five hundred megahertz spectrum auctions. Uh, these are big, big auctions coming up, especially the AWS 3 auction, which starts on March 3rd. Uh, what this means is when it's all said and done, Wind is going to have upwards of, um, I believe it is 15 megahertz of AWS-based spectrum in whatever region they want. And the way it's going to work is that the government has set aside 30 megahertz of the overall 50 megahertz to accommodate four new entrants. Uh, in most parts of the country, that leaves just two carriers. In the biggest regions, that leaves just wind and mobilicity. Mobilicity is currently in dire straits, although they have, uh, they have gotten a, a reprieve from the courts to um, allow them to spend whatever they need to on the, uh, on the auction itself. But uh, wind will be going... Uh, hard at this, and and I think that this bodes well for the state of the Canadian mobile space. Um, I just can't believe that Mobilicity, like I can't believe how much debt they're in. 
Like, I had the, this is one of the things, like, the fact that the courts granted them a repeat when they, like, they said, yeah, you know, spend what you have to, to to do this auction thing. Like, it's $65 million in debt. Like, that's just, I, for, that's just for the that's deposit. Just for, yeah. That's, <laughs> that's like, just, it's insane. That's just to hold the keys. The debt And, keys. like, that money came from, they basically went back to, like, their debtors and were like, hey, can we have some more money? <laughs> like, it, it's the same, like, they, they signed, like, a second debtors agreement on top of the one that they already had. So when everybody was like, wow, Mobilicity is, like, broke-ass carrier, now they're even more broke, and it's... Well, you yeah. know, but that but that that, that that underscores the difference between uh, people and debt and corporations as people and debt, where it's <laughs> it's it's just you know they could it's just a number they could write it off and dissolve, and people could lose more jobs, and there'd be a, an economic hit. Or it's it's easier in this to give them the opportunity to potentially start generating and earning revenue uh, and exist as something that that then participates in the economy and, and fuels jobs than to just, you know, as a, as a, as a regular person, like when we're just spending way too much money on phones, just declare bankruptcy, uh, get your passport, fly to Mexico, and then just like pretend like it never happened and start a new life as a, as a personal trainer. Um, <laughs> so, you know, and, and, and Is that one, the plan? Is that the, the sole disapproved plan for, for <laughs> bankruptcy? The, yeah. The, the documents Douglas in my lockbox, ready to go. No, um, yeah, so it's... It yeah, I, it I think they, the debtors understand that the uh, prospect to make money from whatever spectrum they can buy is worth far more than paying off Mobilicity's current debts or taking on a little bit more of Mobilicity's hundreds of millions of dollars in debt. I think they're mm -hmm. up to like 350 or $400 million in debt. What's another 65? Uh, if they can actually get uh, this Spectrum and eventually sell it, because the Spectrum is going to be so cheap, because nobody else other than Wind can bid on it, then this is going to make their money back in spades. Yeah. They're not going to be able to sell it to Rogers, Bell, or Telus. We know yeah. that. But they may be able to sell it to somebody like Kojiko, Shaw, uh, Quebecor, eventually... Uh, if that's you know, their plan, then that's fine. But it like open. I guess yeah. If that's their plan, then, then I guess that's yeah. Or getting, they, I, they I just feels like a dog chasing a fire engine. It's like they're like, no, we have to get to the spectrum auction. We have to get to the spectrum auction. It's like, what are you going to do once you get there? Like, what are you going to do once you have that spectrum? Well, there it's going to be. It's going to put them in a better bargaining position for for a buyout by wind, right? Yeah. So if they can get their debtors to um, commit to a certain amount of money, then wind. Which they can't, wind can't bid on all of the spectrum, the set aside spectrum. So they're going to have to either pay for it through a purchase of Mobilicity, which would mean, um, you know, taking on all of their debt, which is unlikely, or Mobilicity is just going to buy the spectrum, turn around and sell it, and then figure out what happens next. Maybe use some of that profit to pay off the debt debtors, and then I don't know, dissolve the company. Because well, we no, reported, no, I, I think it's I think it's more like it's still positioning yourself for a sale, and and then obviously the sale price comes with the debt, right? Like th that's yeah, their pitch: and, give us more money so we can get to this point, so someone can buy us, and then, then they pay off the debt. Well, Mobilicity has um, said that they are looking for a buyer, and they have a big group of you know funds and lawyers and consultancies looking for somebody to purchase them. And at least this puts them in a better position 
if in three months from now they have 15 megahertz of AWS 3 Spectrum sitting in their back pocket, mm-hmm. um, you know, that's not bad for business, yeah. just period. It's, it's their so, version of patents, to be honest. It's, yeah, it's, it's their only yeah. leverage. Um, and Mobilicity is not in good shape, but Wind happens to be in a lot better shape. And I think at the end of this, we are going to have a fourth carrier with a guaranteed amount of spectrum that they can use to launch an LTE network, which is really, um, you know, if, if Wind just augmented their current coverage in Southern Ontario, um, Eastern Ontario, uh, Calgary, Edmonton, and Vancouver, and Victoria, am I missing any? Um, with LTE, then they're going to be in a lot better shape just in terms of um, acquiring new customers. Because the delta right now between Wind's 3G network and Rogers, Bell, and TELUS's uh, LTE networks is massive. I mean, it's like it's like 100 megabits per second massive. Yeah, and even, so, and even more so now, right, with the most recent news? Well, I mean, nobody is going to be able to connect to Cat6 LTE speeds for a long time, but um, at least the technology's out there. So, yeah, let's let's talk about that because that's a really interesting um, move on Roger's part. Uh, Roger's launched a Cat6 LTE network this week. Uh, in, specifically, they took the existing technology that they launched last year where they combined um, AWS... LTE and 700 megahertz LTE using something called carrier aggregation. Douglas is putting his fingers together like a nice web. Synergies. um, (laughs) uh, Corporations are people. (laughs) And they um, are now doing the same thing, but they're using their 2600 megahertz spectrum, which is much bigger. They have 40 megahertz of this, so it's 20 megahertz down. And they're combining it with 10 megahertz of... Uh, AWS spectrum and they're combining for 30 megahertz this is super boring I know but what it means is that you're going to get amazing speeds of 225 megabits per second and eventually they're going to combine three channels to produce 300 megs a second and it's going to be crazy there are very very few 300 megahertz 300 megabit uh, networks in the world and I'm as a network geek, super excited about yeah. being able to use my phone at 300 megabits a second. Yeah. It's like, it's, this, this is four times faster than my internet at home. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah if you're a Galaxy Note Edge uh, Rogers customer right now, you are just, you are living in the future. Well, you are waiting for your phone. No, nobody. <laughs> nobody has that phone except me. So, Fair. suck. But... But when you get your phone, you will be living in in the future. You will be living in the future. Send us a message and tell us what it's like. In Uh, the year 2000. (laughs) In the year 2000. Oh, my God. You you got to do the second part. I'm not using that. I know uh, Douglas (laughs) does this thing now where he does, like, he sings stupid songs. He hams it up, yeah. Thinking that I'm going to cut it in at the beginning of the show. But I'm not doing it. I'm not giving in to you this time, Douglas. It's a lot of pressure to carry this damn Your show. Your beautiful face is not going to do it for me this time. Oof. Oh, all right. It's so hard to resist, though. Let's talk about Roger's uh, results. They just yeah. um, they, they launched their Q4 earnings today. Uh, value up, volume down. Uh, what do you guys take away from this, Doug? Do you think, uh, you think Roger's is uh, making the right move here? Uh, as a company or for its customers? Because so there's two things here. There's like the there's value, and the perception of value, 
And then there's, as we alluded to before, how this further distances the conversation away from um, cost <laughs> and uh, the how that cost you know varies from carrier to carrier or internationally, right? So, um, I, I if it's this, I, I understand why they're trying to move more to value because they they want to a they're losing customers and and b they're trying to get away from distance themselves as much as possible from a conversation about that we just for example had about bell and the way that they treat speeds and uh competing services but you know is do we feel at this time their their strategy is is working and will the market buy their messaging so just from a business perspective they're uh, strategy is working. Their ARPU is up. Revenue was up slightly. Um, they are hemorrhaging customers because people are uh, going to TELUS and uh, mm-hmm. for some reason Bell. Um, I'm not sure why this is the case because this, the pricing schedules from all three are exactly the same. But um, it just shows that you know people are trying to get a deal and they're not mm-hmm. finding it at any of these uh, at any of these carriers. At the same time, Rogers is not, I mean, they're, they're really trying to add value legally within the confines of net neutrality yeah. um, to, their, to their experience. And, and what, they do, what they're doing um, is they're saying that we're going to take a hit on roaming. So the part of the reason that um, uh, their overall, uh, what was their revenue? It was down... I got it right in front of me here. Uh, data revenue increased by eight percent, represented fifty percent, fifty-two percent of total network revenue for the quarter. Okay, yeah. So revenue rose four percent to three point three seven billion, but income fell uh, to three hundred million. Mm-hmm. And the reason their income fell was because they took a big hit on revenue on um, on uh, roaming, and the reason that happened was because of roam like home. So clearly. This is a um, a loss leader for them, which is meant to increase customer acquisition. Roam Like Home is a great service. It really is one of the only uh, differentiating factors among the top three carriers at the moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's also a money loser. So what does that say, right? What does it say? I don't know. <laughs> like, uh, if, if that's the only differentiation between carriers... Like if, if if it's color, animals, and then roam like home. But what they're doing is they're saying they're they're moving, sort of into the Apple route, right? They're not going for market share; they're going for profit. And the uh, what, what Guy Lawrence, Roger CEO, said was that they're moving to a system where they're going to be earning more per customer, despite having fewer customers. And I think that they're okay with that in the long run. Obviously. You know, 58,000 customers um, leaving as a net loss is not a good thing. But what they're what they're saying is they're earning more per customer. They earned about 75 cents more per customer in this quarter than the previous one. And it's this okay. really the only route that they can take. Let's talk about that and talk about it in context of Apple. because And then maybe we can talk about what Apple did this week. Um, because, you know... Apple cares less about market share and, as you said, is a, is a higher margin player. What they deliver in their product f- 
for that high margin cost has like a tangible benefit. Like as I as I record this podcast using my extremely light, extremely thin, super durable, long battery life MacBook Air, if there's a reason why I pay, pay that 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 markup for this product. What does that mean for a Rogers customer? Where in in terms of generating more revenue per user uh, from a Rogers customer, what is that Rogers customer getting in benefit? Yeah. Will will that equate? Okay, um, so I'm I'm gonna put on my my uh, big three apologist hat for a second. No, sorry, that's not. Uh, I'm like literally saying like, is it possible for a service provider like this to even make that happen? Yeah, in I a mean, way that Apple like does? Let, let's 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 put those examples on the table. Show me, uh, you can't get Show Me unless you're a Rogers sh- uh, cable or internet subscriber. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff: shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at fifty to eighty percent less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Um, you cannot get uh, Rome Like Home unless you're a Share Everything subscriber. You cannot benefit from the new $100 million Vice Media Partnership Um you can, but you won't get exclusive content that they're talking about. I don't know what that is yet, unless you're a Rogers Share Everything subscriber. Uh, there's a ton of stuff that they're saying that they're going to do in 2015 to make your whatever monthly fee from Rogers more valuable, right? That's really the only thing that they can do because they've even admitted, right, the cost of being a wireless subscriber has gone up significantly and and the arpu would would uh you know would back that up the arpu is up to 67 dollars per customer okay and that's huge but but daniel so i i don't need a family of five using my macbook air to get value from it and uh i don't i don't need to use every other apple product to make the macbook air useful Whereas in the Rogers example, the share anything plans are crazy overpriced unless you have as many like members of your brood using it as possible to kind of amortize the, the total costs. And the, the access that you – or sorry, what you're getting on top of that for the, the, the share plans isn't necessarily content. It's access to other things that only Rogers can provide even though – you know, Bell has a competing and similar service, right? Or but that is the very definition of a wireless network. I mean, you. So the yeah, whole so, thing that so, we so talked about. A, yeah, but so I I totally agree with you. So then, as a as a as a customer, like, is there are very obvious benefits to being a high margin hardware player. Um, mm-hmm. And when we talk about Apple's numbers, we'll show how that's working really really well when you can execute. If Rogers is approaching a similar strategy but can only provide like access to other things that it owns rather than which which are you know similar to 
what other competitors are providing because at the end of the day it's it's access to content and maybe exclusive pieces of content but it's like you know there are other ways to watch shows um you know i think rome rome like home is a is a different thing but i'm, I'm sure the other carriers can offer a similar thing because it's all about pricing right it's about not about durability or any anything tangible is that gonna is that gonna work and then even like even if they can suck more revenue out of it, are Rogers customers going to be any happier with like, oh wow, so now I'm spending what like three hundred dollars a month, or or more to have my family like just locked in to Rogers, because I have to buy, I have to add on more Rogers things for this to be valuable. Yeah, so I mean, there's two arguments there. First of all, they are deciding to go one route. They could go another route and go the discount route the way that Mobilicity tried and failed to do. The problem is that being a network provider in Canada is very expensive when you're deploying across a country. They're actually saying that um, customer satisfaction is up significantly, right? So mm -hmm. people are paying a lot more, but they're more happy with what they're paying for. And that comes from a simplification of their product lineup you don't really have to worry that you're going to get um, overages anymore because the wireless code is backing you up on that, plus the fact that um, everything except data is included in your plan. So you never have to worry that you're going over your, your minutes. You, can't, you can send as many text messages as you want, whatever. And those are small things, but they do add up. At the same time, they're required now to notify you when you're approaching your data limit um, you know, a couple of times before you hit it. Um, smartphones themselves are getting better. So you're at, you have a situation where a couple of years ago, if you had an iPhone or an Android phone, it, it wasn't always the most reliable experience on its own, even when your carrier was fine. Now you have a, a confluence of things where your carrier's faster, your network speeds are, more, are, are faster, your latency's down, and your phones are lasting longer on, on, on LTE because LTE chips aren't using as much um, battery. Plus the fact that Rogers is saying that they're the fastest network in Canada. So all of these things have an impact on customer satisfaction. Whether or not people are okay with paying more as a result of those value adds, well, that's up to them, right? They can go somewhere else, and many people are choosing to go to wind, and that's their prerogative. But Rogers is saying that you know, right now the competitors aren't where they are in terms of network quality, and, and they're going to continue using that because that's really their only advantage. Yeah, but I think it's, I don't know, the thing that, again, maybe this is just because I don't, I come from a country where the, the the norm is that you go and you get your plan and you, you don't get anything else. But I think that part of the attraction for, for networks like Wind is that when I go there, I'm not being told, and you get like this show me service and you get this and you get that. And it's like, it's it seems like that that's their way of like placating you when you have sticker shock you're like oh my god that's so expensive yeah and instead of like you know I, I don't walk in the door at rogers for show me access i walk in there because i want to get like phone and data and like a call plan okay and it's ridiculous that i can say oh well i drive every weekend from toronto to ottawa and will i have service the whole way there and they're like well probably uh, most of the way <laughs> you'll drop it at some point on the way and then it'll come back like, I, I but you'll be able to watch show me when you get there <laughs> like i don't know it just seems like People more and more don't want all the perks and the extras. They just want phone service. And I don't disagree with you, but the phone service is objectively better on the big three. Like, I, I, I kid you not, as you said that, I got an email from my buddy who, said, who I will quote, 
I'm ready to throw my phone at the wall. Wind service has gone from semi-working to just flat terrible. One might say unusable. Yeah, but Daniel, no one's disagreeing with that. What I would contend is that my phone service isn't any better than it was in 2009 when I initially signed up for my plan with Rogers, but they you're, want to charge me $35 more for it. You're, you're, are you saying your, your network? I'm not saying, I mean, I mean customer service is, is a subjective thing, but you're saying, you're claiming that your network performance on your iPhone 5 is no better than what it was in 2009 on your iPhone 3GS. Uh, no, it was a, sorry, not, sorry, not 2009. I should say, uh, 2011. So 2011, when I started to become a Rogers customer with my, uh, 4S, uh, there is no, the, the improvement to service is, does not equate to what they're charging for what they say is improvement in service with my iPhone 5. Now, maybe if I completely disagree, like I could not disagree with you any more virulently than I am right now. The, the like not only have the network qualities across Canada become no, but, but, far but, better. Yeah, but Daniel, but Daniel, I, I get across Canada, but as as an individual person living and functioning in Toronto, that it hasn't changed. I just and, and as James I think it's said, changed significantly. When I go back to Ottawa, <laughs> I still hit the gap, right? So like that, and, I, and I'm not saying that that like I'm not saying. I guess what I'm trying to do is equating it, equating it to Apple is that when you're providing service and access, it's a harder argu- argument to make than just saying here's the shiny hardware product. This is why we spent more to design it. It has better materials. It works better. It's lighter. Like because you're you're talking about amorphous things that not every Rogers customer can experience in the way that every Apple customer who buys the hardware product gets the same experience of. Um, right, but the Apple experience is contingent on the app ecosystem that Apple fosters in a similar way to... I mean, this is totally not the same, and it's it's probably a bad analogy, but to, this, to the same value adds that the carriers can only offer, right? So, you know, the App Store is the reason... I mean, for the most part is the single biggest reason people continue buying iPhones other than the fact that they're well made and and the camera's great but hmm. really I mean when it when it comes down to it Android manufacturers are producing phenomenal pieces of hardware Google is creating great software and the biggest difference for a lot of people are are the app selection in a similar way uh, Rogers is saying you can come to Bell or Telus, but only Rogers can give you these added services like Roam, like Home. But I think the difference is, is that if you ask an Apple customer, why did you spend so much on their on your phone? They would say, because I think it's worth it. And if you ask a Rogers customer, why do you spend so much on your phone service? They would not say, because I think it's worth it's it. It's because I have to. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, and, and obviously, okay. Daniel, like if, if people want a more, I would say, uh, Douglas and Jane, Irish, a la carte, relationship with a carrier there are options and those options in canada are going to get better i think i think the thing is here is that you're seeing rogers trying to differentiate itself from the rest of the big three um and i think what we're saying is it's it's only gonna it only works in a limited scenario or context and we would like to see 
more <laughs> different differentiation in uh, a, a greater differentiation in options between the big three and other carriers. Yeah, absolutely, and and I, I'm not for a second apologizing for the fact that the Canadian carriers overcharge compared to other carriers in other parts of the world. Yeah. So when you look at what's going on in Europe and the UK, um, and I've spoken to many analysts who live in the UK who say that the now um, the, the the now deployed LTE service on companies like three and O2 is comparable to what you'd find in Canada for less than half the cost. That I completely agree with. Yeah. Canadian carriers need to get cheaper. The, what I d fundamentally disagree with is that when, when people complain about the service as it compares to other parts of the world or the, the parts that it compares uh, to other carriers in Canada, that I have a problem with because I've never found, and I've, every country I go to, I try their local networks, I've never found more reliably fast, low latency networks as I do in Canada. And that's just I that's just a fact. I've yeah, yeah. tried as many of them as I can no, totally. across the world and Canadian carriers continually live up to being some of the fastest in the world. That I does agree. not mean that they're not ridiculously overpriced. Yeah, I get, but you and are it, getting more for what you pay for. That's what my, that's my hypothesis. But is what you're paying for worth that benefit? I think is what we're but saying. But that's a subjective I, thing. I feel it is. I spend $100 a month and I feel I get $100 a month worth because I use my phone all day, every day. You yeah, may disagree. And that's, that's interesting because that's Ian's argument too. He says, you know, I, I remember talking to him again right before I started working mobile syrup and he was like, I don't get when people complain so much about it being expensive because do you have a home phone? Probably not. Do you rely on your phone to the point where you think it's worth 25 bucks a week? Yes. Probably. There's not a single so, thing in my life that I, I use more than my And when my you put phone. it that way, it's like, it seems like a no-brainer. It's like, it is my life. Like, it helps me do my job. I mean, it, it, gave, it gives me my job. If I, okay. didn't, if I didn't have a smartphone, yes. I wouldn't... Like, this is why Rogers is changing the argument or trying to set the context on value. Because no one disagrees with the value of having these services. Counterpoint, yeah, but I think if, I'm, if I'm on wind and tech-savvy... I'm getting the value of the like Rogers isn't responsible for the the value of the fucking internet. Like if I if I use if I use wind and tech savvy, I'm basically still getting that magical world that we love living in, but I'm getting it at half the price. But you're getting an approximation of that wonderful world that we yeah, love living a in. Really good approximation. And that's the thing is that to me because I spend all of my time in downtown Toronto where it's fine most of the time, I don't think that the gap in service matches the gap in price. Maybe I mean I guess your friend your friend disagrees with me. Your friend thinks that it's unusable. Yeah. I mean but... my friend works and lives down the street from me in downtown Toronto. I have used wind. I I love the company. I think that you know Pietro Cordova. I I think um, Anthony Lacovera. These are uh, admirable businessmen who really want to do well by the Canadian consumer. And the second that wind gets uh, a network that is comparable in both speed and reliability, not just in coverage. I don't really need coverage in Manitoba. I don't need coverage in Thunder Bay. I do need coverage in downtown Toronto mm -hmm. and Ottawa and Montreal and these places. And until wind 
or at least until wind offers a, a, a you know a decently priced unlimited 3g or 4g roaming package which they're getting there and hopefully the crtc will start regulating that and make sure that rogers and bell and tell us have to give them good rates for 3g roaming which is going to happen in the next few months then we can get on our way and 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 i can use wind but until that time i feel like i get better value uh from rogers than i do from wind i mean that's yeah that's tough. that's but, fine that, that's, and you know that's and if we me. if we pulled like a hundred customers or canadians just across the country where their location would directly impact this, right? And I think the initial comparison that I was trying to make is, and, and it's hard for Roger, I understand why they're doing this, it's hard for them, because any one of those 100 Canadians we would pull who, who bought an iPhone would, like, the, the iPhone doesn't change as you move across the, cus, uh, across the country, but Roger's and that, that uh, value equation does change a lot. Um, or even across our, our city, right? Like, go, go east of... Young Street, um, just stand on Church and try to get a call on Rogers or like any carrier. I don't know what it is about Church Street. It's really weird. What? Like you more, and I have very more different experiences with our. I okay, don't yeah. have. Okay, so we I have very different I, experiences. That's but that's that's my point, right? We've had you know whereas the two iPhone fives or iPhone sixes, ignoring Bengate, are exactly the same. Whereas we can move across the city using Rogers and have very different experiences. Which yeah, but I can move down the street on wind and have two different experiences because... No, no, yes, any, any carrier. Yes, any carrier, which is why being a high-margin, high-value carrier is Not a difficult proposition. Yeah. yeah. No, ab- absolutely. And the carriers have a, they, they have a problem right now because they're... they're um, they need to prove to their investors that this market has room to grow mm-hmm. and they have a problem where they have to continue investing and they're going to spend a lot of money investing in spectrum over the coming year to grow their network and to prove that people can have a better experience on their network when most of the time it doesn't really make a difference. Um, yeah. So, yeah, we'll come back to that because I mean, in the next few months, there's going to be a lot of talk about this stuff. Uh, let's let's talk about Apple because Apple released its earnings this week, and it was the most profitable quarter for any company in history, with 18 <laughs> billion dollars in profit. I mean, we're talking about Rogers here, which had a 3.2 billion dollar quarter in revenue and a 300 million dollar quarter in profit, and then we look at a company like. Um, a company like Apple that made $75 billion in revenue yeah. last quarter alone. Wow. Just oh absolutely wow. Just from this quarter, they could buy like Tesla, SpaceX, Uber, Slack. Like they could just, they could just buy like the next hundred years of what they're going to be doing just from the profits of this quarter. The biggest and most like mind-blowing stat that I read was that the currency fluctuations that affected Apple's profit were uh, amounted to more money lost than Google made in profit last quarter. So the fact that the U.S. dollar grew um, strengthened by five percent lowered Apple's potential revenue by more 
than Google made in profit last quarter. It was $3.3 billion compared to Google's profit, which was $2.87 billion. I mean, the numbers are absolutely staggering. And it just speaks to the fact that, you know, everybody considered Apple to be down and out, especially, you know, who needs another bigger iPhone, but everybody apparently needed another bigger iPhone. So do you think, do you think in some way that Apple's numbers are bias? Yes. Oh yeah. Totally bias. Okay. Um, I'm bias. You're bias. Jane bias. Mobile bias syrup. $18 billion can't be wrong. No, and, and you know the, the most incredible yeah. stat, aside from the amount of money lost to um, currency fluctuations, is that 85% of iPhone 6 users were not upgrading from other iPhones. They were coming from Android and other smartphones. 85%. I mean, think about that for a second. It's, it's just, like, mind-blowing to consider that the second Apple released a 4.7 and 5.5-inch iPhone, Android users were like, okay, screw it, I'm out. See you later. If you have a big-screen smartphone and I have a big-screen smartphone and people like my big-screen smartphone, I drink your milkshake. <laughs> what? That was a pretty good impersonation. That was like... Well, I don't even know who? what that is. Come on, Is that man. Count Chocula? That's Daniel Day-Lewis. Oh. In what, though? In what? Last of the Mohicans, Jane. Oh, what, oh I what thought it was, was that? There Will Be Blood. No, it, of course it's from There Will Be Blood. There's no, no milk. Okay. There, were no, there was no milkshake technology mm-hmm. in Last of the Mohicans. There was no hey, milkshake technology know. in... Oh, there was! I know exactly what you're talking about now. It's only one of the that greatest was amaz- scenes in the history of cinema. Oh, that's so good. <laughs> Paul Dano just, like, looking terrified. Yeah, because he wanted oh, his milkshake. so good. Ah. Uh. I'm going to go watch that movie tonight. I've never seen it. Oh, you should. It's amazing. Paul Thomas Anderson. That was his last coherent movie. Ooh. Oh, shots fired. Uh. The, ma- the Master was not coherent. Okay, whoa, whoa, whoa. This is, we're going into mobile syrup after dark here. We got we to gotta talk about Apple revenue. <laughs> okay, sorry. He did make Inherent Vice. I haven't seen Inherent Vice, so I apologize to PTA. I have not seen it. But, Such film uh, bias. <laughs> but there okay, will so, be blood is one of my favorite movies ever it's one of the best um, movie of the 21st century for sure now uh okay so where does apple go from here like what they like, continue selling a shenanigram of smartphones just more of the same sounds. okay uh oh sorry you're actually you're actually asking the question yeah um they will uh, so I think what they've proven is that the iPhone. Oh, hey Jane. I'm here. I think they oh, are. Were you just frozen in thought? I thought your I thought your screen had froze, but you were just like super reflective. Okay, sorry. No, I'm researching uh, countries that Apple could afford to buy with all their money. Oh, ha. oh, amazing. <laughs> um, so Apple has continually disproven the idea that uh, expensive phones can't sell in volume, right? They have not only increase the number of iPhones that they've sold, but they've increased the average sale price of the iPhone significantly. Uh, the average sale price of their iPhone division is for, uh, $687. That is absurd when you think about the general direction of smartphone prices in general. 
and the commoditization of the industry. When you're looking at a company like Samsung being squeezed from both ends, both from um, Apple in the high end and companies like Xiaomi and Huawei and ZTE and Alcatel in the low end, you're looking, okay, why doesn't it, why doesn't it make sense that Apple is um, going along with that trend? And I think it's just because people don't consider an iPhone to be in the same category as the rest of the Android world, right? The iPhone sits completely on its own and Apple can continue selling it um, in spite of the general movement of uh, smartphone sales. And I think a lot of that has to do with China, right? We talked a lot about how important China is to Apple. A lot of their iPhone revenue this quarter was from was from China. And Did they sell it, more in China than anywhere else in the world combined? Uh, I think so. Their their iPhone revenue was fifty one point nine billion, and I think their China specific revenue was sixteen billion. So okay. I don't think it was more than everything else combined, but I think it was a significant number, especially considering that China is um, a very is still considered a developing market. Yeah. Do you know so, they could buy the Bahamas for for not very much money. <laughs> it's only eight billion. Oops, sorry. Only GDP. eight billion. What? GDP of eight billion for the Bahamas. Well, it's not a big country. Well, they could buy Jamaica and the Bahamas. Throw it. I bet you could get the Jamaican Bahamas and Haiti for a really good deal. Yeah. Oh, if, if, if you're a Bahamas play. customer, you get the value add of Jamaica. <laughs> um, it's more of uh, it's more of your Jamaica customer. You get the value add of Bahamas. But anyway, it depends what kind of food you like. Okay. So what are Apple's threats then? <laughs> if you if you do the the, the classic um, SWOT analysis strengths weaknesses opportunities threats because we talk a lot about like how apple isn't you know how google's doing all this crazy moonshot stuff and android is probably a better os than ios at this point and android hardware is catching up and all these things um Apple only really does consumer electronics really, really well. They don't do services really well. They don't do social. They don't do all these things. And yet they can just drop an $18 billion mic. You know, they're like, we do this better than anybody else. Proven. What, what, what can disrupt that? Because there was a point in time. This is the first time ever that uh, Nokia has sold, what was it, less than 100 million smartphones worldwide? While... Apple has is now doing that. Um, what? I just saw Tomiya Honan was Tomiya Honan, our our resident. Uh, I hate everything that Stephen Elop did to Nokia, and Nokia used to be glorious. Like Apple is now as dominant, or sorry, they've Apple has now sold more phones, iPhones, than all the Nokia phones ever sold combined. That makes more sense. Nokia hasn't sold a hundred million phones in many 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 quarters yeah maybe um, sorry maybe this is the first like five year yeah i can't remember what it was but i definitely i'm definitely certain on check check twitter tony Homan. He's, he's great but I'm, I'm definitely certain that apple has now sold more iphones than all the nokia phones ever sold well if I think we were doing a mobile syrup podcast in 2004 with our hot um 2g takes we would be like, no one will ever challenge Nokia. 
and and markets change, conditions change. So what what is the condition that can possibly prevent Apple from being Apple? Is there one? Are we aware? Is something on the horizon? Can we see it? No, I I mean I'm I'm not one of those doomsday people. I don't think that Apple will be disrupted anytime soon. I mean, they've shown quarter over quarter over quarter that they can buck every trend that we can think of. Um, you know, the iPod is basically a disappearing the I mean, the only source I think of hurt for Apple is the iPad, which continues to sell fewer units every quarter uh than Apple would like and it's sold year over year declines for two years in a row. Um, the iPad is is a is going to be a, a struggle for Apple because tablets, in general, are a struggle in ge- like uh, for everybody. Nobody knows how to sell a tablet anymore because nobody knows the value proposition for a tablet. But I think as long as the iPhone is an aspirational product on its own, rather than the way that people, I think a lot of our readers look as, at the iPhone as um, an alternative to Android in their minds, right? There's there's Android and there's iPhone and then there's everybody else. But I don't think a lot of consumers look at the iPhone that way. They look at the iPhone as their only choice of a smartphone. They don't go into a store looking at more than one smartphone choice. They go into the store saying, I have an iPhone, I want to upgrade to another iPhone. And I think a lot of people, um, and, and you know, not only does do Apple loyalists stay loyal, but this quarter proved that Android people are not that loyal. Well, it's because people don't think of – you're right. Like our readership sees Apple and iPhone as, as the counterpoint to Android. But even yesterday in our office uh, – you guys weren't there. One of the, the companies over uh, – a friend of ours, he, he needed a charger for his phone. He's like, hey, do you guys have a, a Samsung charger I could borrow? And I was like <laughs> – do you mean a micro USB charger that is <laughs> like the standard across pretty much the entire industry? But he saw it as he didn't see, hey, do you guys have an Android phone charger or micro USB? It's like, I have a Samsung phone. Do you have a charger for that? And I think there is no loyalty to Android because the loyalty or the, the consumer relationship is mostly with the manufacturer um, in, a, in, in a way that like just totally doesn't happen with Apple. Like Apple is like Q-tip if everyone loved Q-tips and Q-tips were etched in gold. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I so I I just think that everybody loves to talk about the fall of a giant and everybody loves to uh, you know, think of the worst possible scenario for a company when it's at its height, but the the thing about Apple is that they have bucked the trend so many times that it just isn't, it's not rational to think that way anymore. I mean, it's, it's like if you are thinking that Apple will just fall down and, and, and just collapse, it's, it's basically like, um, crazy. Yeah. I mean, it's like, it's like saying that, Mm -hmm. you know, the stock market goes up and down and, and, but it's very unlikely that another great depression will happen again. Yeah, but you right. mean, the the exact same words were said about Nokia, IBM, Microsoft, uh, companies that probably existed before I was born that I don't remember. Like, you know, there are not that many hundred year companies. Like people say that about Ford. Like, I get. Ex- I'm not talking about a hundred year companies. <laughs> like, 
I don't know what's going to happen in 50 years. Okay, but but then 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 ten. I'm 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 not saying like doomsday. Like, I'm just like, it's very difficult to maintain this level of. I I, I accept everything of your point that it is almost irrational to expect Apple to do anything other than like break their sales goals every quarter, uh, which are like the industry's sales goals. But I also know that the conditions for that to be sustainable, you know, are, are very difficult to maintain. It gets harder and harder, especially when, you know, does Apple own a VR company? Do you think VR is going to eat into smartphone sales? I think it's a complementary technology. Now, in five years, I don't know. Well, think about uh, it like phones, this. Phones used to be a complementary technology, and then they became the predominant one, um, which which is how Microsoft and IBM died. Um, I'm that's and that's why I asked the question. Like, I don't know the answer. I was just wondering if anyone had a hot take or a speculation as to what what would disrupt this. Well, I mean, and Microsoft is anything but dead, and IBM has its has carved a niche, and it's still a fairly big company. I, I think the way to look at it is this. Okay, Apple. Um, sold 75 million smartphones last quarter at a $687 average sales price. Adding that up, that is a like the, a, an insane amount of money. But overall, there were 1.3 billion smartphones shipped in 2014, and there were 375 million shipped in last in the last quarter alone, which was a 28% increase over the previous year. So it's not only are smartphones in general still a growing industry, but Apple is only making up 20% of that overall smartphone share. Mm-hmm. I think it's so, like 15%. Yeah. It's 20. It, it's it's I have the stats right in front of me. Mm-hmm. IDC equates their 75.74.5 million Units shipped as 19.85% of overall worldwide market share. Yeah. Just under Samsung, which sold 75.1 million. But the problem is that Samsung's ASP is much lower because they sell you know, a lot of $100, $200 smartphones. And that industry is getting disrupted right now by the other three uh, OEMs on the list, Lenovo, Huawei, and Xiaomi, right? So... Apple is is singular in the fact that they not only continue to go against the grain by not selling a super cheap smartphone, but they're increasing their market share in spite of increasing their average sales price, right? It, it, rationally, that what they're doing doesn't make any sense, but I still think that there's a lot of room to grow in the smartphone space in general. Yeah. Well, when you're selling more phones than, App, uh, than uh, McDonald's sells hamburgers, there's definitely room to grow. Oh, I'm so hungry. I know. Me too. Um, so, I don't know. I mean, we've been we've been chatting a lot about um, about kind of like the state of companies, right? Wh- wind. I was going to say wind. Um, wind. Wind is increasing. Uh, you know, their investment in Canada. Rogers is is doing is doing their thing, um, trying to you know convert value from from volume. Uh, Apple is selling a, a ton of hamburgers. Uh, McDonald's just fired its CEO because it's not selling a whole bunch of hamburgers. Uh, we're just just into 2015. It's just the end of the month. We are just into our our adulthood. We are we've just turned 30. Doug's cat is super cute. Uh, we have such an exciting year ahead. I'm so happy to have you guys with me 
Um, we're doing just just a plug because Douglas, you're the man um, on BetaKit. Douglas is doing. We have a sister site called BetaKit. Uh, it's it covers the startup uh, world in Canada. We've had two huge, and I mean like ground shakingly huge scoops this past week, all because of this man, Douglas. You are you are doing good. Uh, check out BetaKit if you haven't. It's a very different vibe to Mobile Syrup, really. Like it's it's totally different, but it's worth it if you're interested in Canadian tech and Canadian startups. Uh, Beta Kid is the place to go. We Douglas. keep it 100 in a very different way, but not just yes. me. A whole team of writers uh, breaking news, and then also covering some stuff that you might be interested. In. If you like your phone, but you like other technology beside your phone, and you want to know what Canadians are doing about that, Beta Kid is for you. Yes, and Jane and I make some guest appearances on the on the kit every once in a while. Mm-hmm. Yep, because um, we're all we're all a, a happy family. Synergies. All about that kit. Synergies. No travel. <laughs> um, are you saying synergies or sandwiches now? Uh, both. <laughs> we're definitely. I thought you were like sandwiches. Sandwiches. We're <laughs> so hungry. Like, oh. It's twelve. We have to go eat. Yeah. All right, kids. Um, just wanna just wanna shout out to everybody. Um, uh, Jeff Broussard, thanks for your amazing comment. Um, but don't call us mobile suckers again, please. That was not cool. Uh, <laughs> Jeff. Jeff, well, Doug's with? a mobile. No, sucker. I don't feel bad about not shedding you at the last few weeks. Yeah. <laughs> You're kind of a jerk. Uh, shout out to everybody who listened to the podcast. We're we're growing. Uh, we're not growing as quickly as we'd like. So tell your friends. But we are growing, and I I, I love you guys for listening. Yeah. Um, simultaneous substitution. Last thing, CRTC just said that starting in 2017, uh, Canadians will finally be able to watch the American ads on the Super Bowl. So, yay. Amazing. Talk about that next week. Uh, thanks again for listening. Syrupcast 30, we're out. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.